Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from Horizon West Church. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at horizonwestchurch.com. And if you're in the Horizon West area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now enjoy this podcast from Horizon West Church. Just celebrating what God did Thursday night and, and seeing dozens of people joining brand new groups all around uh, this area, West Orange County. Um, and like Austin said, if you want to join a group, not only could you find him, you can go to the website and, and look that up and, and, uh, and give us your information. We can help you get paired with a group that would be right for you. Um, if you're kind of like newer to Horizon West Church, maybe you're brand new, first time, second, third time, and you've not gone through our Connect experience, you've not connected with a group or a serve team, I want to invite you to something we're doing in two Sundays uh, on February 27th. We're calling it Community Coffee, okay? Now, you don't have to like community or coffee to come, but we want you there, um, and we would love to have you there. And it's just a chance, uh, I'll be there for at least a good chunk of that time, and uh, we'll have other people who are kind of new to the area in some cases or new to the church um, and just really, really informal, uh, low pressure, just a chance to have some conversation, get to know each other a little better. So two Sundays from now, on your way out, if you would pick up a community coffee card, uh, all the information's on the website and it'll direct you there from that card. Well, my uh, word for the year, as I shared earlier in January, my word for this year, 2022, is the word beyond. Two years ago, it was a different word. In January of 2020, I announced my word for the year as disrupt. Now, I don't feel like I am responsible for everything that transpired after that. I see it as somewhat of a, a prophetic word that the Lord gave me. I just thought that God was going to just kind of shake up my life personally. And he said, now we're just going to shake the whole thing up. So, um, in fact, I'm curious how many of you in the past two years have gone through one of the following things. Either... Uh, moving to a new area or a new home, um, a, a change in a relationship, a, a, a job loss or a new job or a new position within your job, some kind of major change in your life in the last two years. Somebody's already got two hands up. How many of you have been through that? Put your hand up high. Okay. All right. So we're going we're gonna to be good today. This is good. Well, when I said this year that I believe my word was beyond, um, one of the things I anticipated was that God was going to do something in Horizon West Church that would take us beyond where we've been and in some cases take people who are part of Horizon West Church into new territories. And so on January 2nd, the first Sunday of the year, we got to commission Marcio and Daniela into a new mission field as Marcio stepped in to become the campus pastor of First Baptist Horizon West just a few miles from here. And we celebrated that. And it was bittersweet to lose a friend uh, that was part of our church and our community here. But to say, hey, God has prepared you for this moment, Marcio. And, and, and we're going to commission you and send you into this new opportunity that God has given you. And on that same Sunday, we got to commission William and Shiloh. William and Shiloh were the pastors of Oasis Church. Some of you came as part of the Oasis congregation when we merged back in April of last year. And we got to commission William and Shiloh on that same day as they went to Nigeria for a more permanent stay there, a more long-term stay, and continued missions work that God has called them to there. Going beyond just what is happening in these four walls. And what I didn't know on January 2nd was that God was stirring the heart of Justin, our director of Weekend Experiences, our worship leader, and getting ready to take him beyond into a new calling and becoming part of a church in North Carolina where he's going to be a worship pastor 
uh, there in Shelby, North Carolina. And, and so in all of this, I'm going, man, Beyond has meant some things I didn't fully anticipate. It's meant a lot of change and transition for us and for our church. And it's left me asking the question, what is next for Horizon West Church? Maybe you're a, a high schooler and you're coming up on graduation and you're going, I'm not really sure what's next for me. Or you're in that new job or new position within the company. company. Maybe you've ended a long-term relationship or you're starting a new one and you're kind of similarly wrestling with that in-between of where do I go from here? Well, here's the good news this morning. God often does his best work when the future is most uncertain. Some of you need to hear this because your, your faith is getting a little wobbly. I'm going to say it again. God often does his very best work when your future is the most uncertain. I know that in part because the Bible makes it very clear. When Abraham was called to leave what was familiar, his home, his family, his language, and God said, just go to the place I will show you, God was getting ready to do something incredible in the life of Abraham. Or, or consider Ruth, who, who showed up in Bethlehem as a widow and an immigrant, and God met her there. Isaiah lamenting the death of the great king Uzziah, and then seeing the Lord high and lifted up. Esther facing the extinction of her people and seeing God come in as a savior. And ultimately seeing the disciples huddled behind locked doors after the crucifixion of Jesus asking God, where do we go from here? And God had something great for each of those people. For me personally, I can tell you a time in 2008, I was 26 years old, I was done with college, I moved back home to Sebring, and I refused to get a full-time job because I felt like as long as I wasn't working full-time, I didn't live there. I was just staying at my dad's house for a very, very, very long time. And after about nine months, I was like, I guess I live here now, I gotta start working. And, and I, was, I was as single as any person who's ever walked planet Earth has been single. I like, did not know what was next for me in my career, in my relationships, and then somebody said, hey, there's this girl that moved to town. She's a teacher. Her name's Nikki. You should meet her. And God showed up. <laughs> and then two years later, we were married, and we were coming to the end, uh, and we knew in our spirit the end of a season of youth pastoring at a very small church there in Sebring. And we'd seen God do incredible things, but there was a stirring to, to move into something new. And a friend, an old acquaintance, kind of reconnected with me, said, hey, I'm at First Baptist Orlando, and, and we're looking for a college pastor. And we went and spent five years doing that. And after five years, there was some change and kind of internally and within our hearts and the organization going, hey, well, there's something new being birthed, but we didn't know what it was. And so we did two or three or four different things over a short period going, God, well, what is next for us? And then there was this conversation about something called Horizon West Campus and needing a campus pastor. And in each of these moments when, when the future looked really uncertain, when I went, man, I don't, not only do I not know what next year looks like, I'm not even sure what two weeks from now looks like. God met me there. He does some of his best work when we can barely see the road in front of us. I want to invite you to turn to Joshua chapter 1. We're going to launch from there uh, this morning. I'm not going to do a real like verse-by-verse -verse teaching of Joshua 1, but I do want to use it as a template for us because I think the things they're experiencing in this passage are relatable to, to us as a church community. And so as you turn to Joshua chapter 1, what has happened is the people of Israel have been wandering in the desert for 40 years. They've been facing uh, enemies on every side and at every corner. 
And the one thing they had going for them in their minds was that their great leader and deliverer, Moses, was in charge. And then Moses died. And the people of Israel found themselves asking, God, what is next? Look with me at Joshua chapter 1 and verses 1 through 9. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. By the way, I love how frank God is in this passage. Like, he doesn't beat around the bush. He's dead, grieve, move on. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all the people, into the land that I'm giving them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your feet will tread, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea toward the going down of the sun, this will be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you, Joshua. So be strong and courageous, for you will cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. And be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. Verse 8. And this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. There's a lot in these verses, but I think they can be pared down to two basic instructions, and they both have to do with this concept, this idea that God had introduced many, many years before. It was the idea of promised land. And the people of Israel were, were awaiting this moment where they would step into the land that God had promised them, but right now they're still in the in-between. And God gives them two instructions. Number one, and I believe, by the way, that these are also instructions in a different context— but instructions that we can take to heart and that we can practice as well. Number one, trust the promise. You've probably heard the expression, trust the process, but you can't always trust the process. Hashtag Philadelphia 76ers. Sometimes the best plans fail, but we can trust the promise of God. One of my children is in a place where they're regularly saying, I promise, but then they promise something that is in the future that they have no control over. So my other kids come around and go, hey, this person lied, they promised, and you're like, this is the kind of parenting thing I want to be doing right now, right? And so I've been teaching this particular child not to promise things that they don't have any control over. So, so this child has started to say, I promise that I think, that I know Friends, the good news for us is that when God makes a promise, he doesn't have to add the I think because he's in control. He's sovereign. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So, so when God promises something, it's like it's, it's as if it already happened. It's, it's done. You can bank on it. And long, long ago in a galaxy far away, God had made a promise to a man named Abraham. Look with me at Genesis chapter 15 at this promise that God gave to an old man named Abraham who had at the time no children. The Lord said to Abram, know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and they will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years.
hundred years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. And as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Now, this is absolutely remarkable. Because before the Israelites were ever in Egypt, God said to Abraham, hey, something's coming, and here's the timetable, and here's what's going to happen, and at the end of it, there's going to be a land of promise that your descendants will take. God is able to promise because he holds the future. But one thing I notice in these verses is just how painfully long it takes sometimes for God to keep his promises, right? Like, we want God to work on our timetable. We want the guarantee that we're going to be married by the age of 30. Or, or that our children will never wander from their faith. Or that our marriage will be all that we dreamed it will be, and then we look in the mirror and go, oh, wait, no, it can't be because I'm in it. And I'm a sinner. And so is she, or so is he. And we want God to make these promises, but the reality is there's people walking around that have lost faith in God for failing to deliver promises he never made. They're going, well, I just can't trust him anymore because it's like, yeah, but did God tell you that? Or did you just not get what you wanted? I'll never forget a, a friend who was honest enough as I unpacked a, a, a relationship coming out of college that I was just still reeling from, and, and, and he said, Chris, what's the problem? <laughs> and I was able to articulate it. I said, I just didn't get what I wanted. That's it. He's like, all right, move on, you know? See, we can't hold God to promises he's, he's never made. Sometimes the long arc of God's faithfulness takes time. It took time for Abraham. When, when God promised him a son Isaac, there was 25 years before Isaac was born. It takes time. David was, we believe, somewhere around 15 to 17 when, when God had Samuel anoint him as the king of Israel, but he wasn't the king until he turned 30 years old. And now we have the Israelites 430 years as slaves. They finally get through the Red Sea, and it's another 40 years before the promised land. So what do we do in the in-between? What do we do when it takes longer than we want it to take? We, we trust the promise. Don't wallow in discouragement when God is working for your deliverance. Like, don't break down thinking, well, I just can't trust it because God is always at work. By the way, trusting the promises of God does not mean you're going to get everything you desire. This is, this is the challenge that we have in today's world. We, people talk about faith like it's the power of positive thinking. Like, I just have faith that I'm going to, you know, rise to the top. I'm going to climb that ladder. I'm going to make that money. But biblical faith isn't that. There's nothing wrong with setting goals. There's nothing wrong with pursuing those things. But biblical faith is simply taking God at his word. It's God said this, therefore I believe it. Romans chapter 8 verse 28 gives us a promise that is for all of us that we can bank on. It says all things work together for good to those who love God and who, call, who are called according to his purpose. That's a promise. It has a condition the condition is you love God and you're called according to his purpose. In other words, you're part of the, the believing community. You're a follower of Jesus. And God says, if that's you, you can bank on this promise that things are working for your good. I'm in a season right now where I find myself saying to myself, and I've said it a few times to some of you, in the middle of the hard things, hang in there because this is going somewhere good. I don't know where it's going, 
but I know it's going somewhere good because God made that promise. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a child of God, this is going somewhere good for you. And here's a big part of, and probably the biggest part of what good God is accomplishing. The very next verse, after Romans 8.28, Romans 8.29, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might become the first among brothers. Uh, translation of that, I could just say, God is working to make you like Jesus. That's the good he's set out to accomplish. And you ask yourself, well, well, okay, he's making me like Jesus. That's like for him, but what is he doing for me? And the answer is, he's making you like Jesus. I've lived just long enough to learn that the only way to arrive at a destination called happiness is to walk a road called holiness. I, I, I chased other stuff. And, and it was a dead end. It wasn't, I, I, I looked at this, I tasted that, I did, and it was, there wasn't pleasure there. Yes, for a moment. And then it was fatigue, boredom, addiction, disillusionment. And I have learned that the pathway of holiness is I learn to love my wife a little better each day. And, and I learn to, to be patient with my kids and to play with them in the morning and pray with them at night. And I learned to guard my eyes and not go back and look at the things I was looking at five or 10 or 20 years ago. And, I, and I'm learning to be faithful in my relationships with people. I'm learning the path of holiness and I'm experiencing what Jesus promised, that he came to give us life and to give it to the fullest. So that's the good. You go, man, I don't think God can make me happy. Well, that's your problem. That, that's, that's the basic problem. I can tell you that if you chase anything else in life, it will leave you unsatisfied and disillusioned. Story is told of a, a women's group who, yeah, let's applaud that. A women's group uh, was having a, a, a Bible study time and, and they came across a verse in scripture that says that God will sit over his people as the refiner of silver. And, and one of these women said, you know, I, I actually know somebody who, who is a, a refiner of silver. Like that's what they do for their job. And they said, man, well, to help us understand this verse, we should go visit them and watch them work. Because what does it mean that God sits over us as a refiner of fire, or a refiner of silver? And so they, they went and the individual allowed them to sit around and he's taking the silver and he's plunging it into the, the fire and the dross is being burned away and purified and pulling it up. And they're going, okay, so God is, God is you know, the refiner. So the hard things, the fire, it's burning away the chaff, the, the, the impurities, okay, they're understanding more, he keeps doing it. And finally, one of those old women says to the man, she says, hey, how do you know that you're finished with the refining process? He said, well, that's easy. When I can see my reflection in the silver, I know I'm done. You go, God, why the fire? <laughs> why the plunging? Why again and again and again? Because God's doing it and going, not quite done yet. Let's go back. And it's tempting to go, God, you must not be good because of, and God's, no, 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 I am good and that's why. That's why I'm doing this. God's goal for you is that when you show up at heaven, you're able to authentically say, Jesus, you're all I want. I've lived for you. I've done what I could. Your grace is sufficient for me. And heaven becomes an eternal joy because you're living the life you were created to live with Christ at the center and people and creation in harmony and unison with each other. This is what God is doing. All things for good and in the process making us like Jesus. This also applies on a corporate level. I mean, if it applies individually to Christians, and I believe it does, 
then we could also say that God is doing something good in us as a believing community. That's why Paul said in Philippians 1 verse 6, I'm confident that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. He's saying, Philippian church, I know you're being persecuted. I know you're experiencing hardship, but don't give up on God. Don't disband from each other. This is going somewhere good. So number one, as we walk with God and we wait for his promises to come to fruition, we trust the promise. Number two is this, we take the land. Every generation since Abraham received the promise that one day his descendants would be in the promised land, every generation had basically one objective. Live, trust the promise, die. Next generation comes. Live, trust the promise, and die. And the writer of Hebrews says most of these people would never see the land that was promised them, but they were faithful in the in-between. So every generation had to trust the promise. But then one generation arose who got to go beyond simply trusting the promise. And they were the ones that got to take the land. You might have noticed when I read a few moments ago that three times God says to Joshua, be strong and what? Courageous. So let me ask us this question. If the land was promised to the people and God was giving it to them, why were strength and courage needed? And the answer is this. The outcome was secure, but the process would still be hard. God was giving them the land, and they would have to fight for it. It's something like what Paul says about salvation in Philippians chapter 2, verses 12, 13. He says, Therefore, beloved, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but even more so in my absence, now work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, because it's God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. So you say, Paul, is God working in me through grace or am I supposed to do some things to kind of work out my salvation? And the answer, of course, is yes, <laughs> right? It's grace and it's grit. And even the grit is grace, like God gives us the grit. But there's this interplay of God and us working together, cooperating by the power of his Holy Spirit to bring to life and to fruition his promises. Personally, I know that sometimes my faith begins to break down because the promises of God are just taking so long to come true. And in the waiting, I get discouraged. It's too long. But there's other times where I don't break down in my faith because it's taking too long. I break down in my faith because it's simply too hard. I might even be able to see it just around the corner. It's not, but what's between me and it is really, really hard. It's hard conversations. It's confrontation. It's conflict. It's work. It's perseverance. And I go, God, I don't really want to do that. It could be too long to which I would say trust the promise. Or it could be too hard to which I would remind us, take the land. If we were to continue reading in the book of Joshua, you would see chapter headings more than likely in your Bible. I know they exist in mine. And these chapter headings are not part of the inspired word of God. It wasn't like the writers of scripture were going, and now we're going to talk about this, right? But later on, so that we could have kind of more readable and understandable ways to put the story together, these chapter headings were included. And if you were to continue going through Joshua, you would see chapter headings that say things like this. Israelites defeated at Ai. Yes, there will be setbacks as you take the land. 
But then you would see chapter headings like this, the fall of Ai, the conquest of southern Canaan, conquests in northern Canaan. In other words, the people of God had to fight their way into the land that God promised them. It was hard. In fact, it was so hard that one of the chapter headings says, land yet to be conquered. And you know why that's true? Because some of the tribes of Israel and Judah and some parts of other tribes got to points where they said, hey, you Philistines, we're not going there. You guys keep that part of the land. We'll just hang out here and we'll make peace. And the Israelites failed to have the whole land God promised them because they weren't willing to step into the heart. In fact, I I did the math on this. I actually did it a while ago and I wrote it down in my Bible. But I just, really high-tech, you know, sophisticated stuff. I pulled up Google Maps and I... I put the coordinate points of what he says in Joshua and and where they're supposed to go. And it's like 300,000 square miles and incorporates not only Israel, but most of present-day Syria and Iraq. Like the, the sliver that Israel has now, like God had way, way more for them. And part of the reason that they didn't get it all was they weren't willing to have the strength and courage it took to step into the promises of God. I want to tell you a little bit about the story, the origin story of Horizon West Church. You'll see why in a second. On 20, in 2016, I was invited um, by one of our pastors, Jimmy Knott, to be part of a, a task force or a group of people. We're Southern Baptists, so it's, it was probably a committee. That's probably the word I should use there. It was a committee. And, uh, and the committee was tasked with two things. Number one is First Orlando is the next for us to be a multi-site church, to have multiple campuses around Central Florida. And if we answered that question, yes, part two was, well, where do we start? And so I got to sit on the meetings as we wrestled that down and go, man, are we, are we positioned to do this? Do we have the resources, the health, the, the missional strategy, all of these things? And it was determined ultimately that yes, it was time to go. And we started looking at different places. We looked at Oviedo, we looked at Lake Nona, we looked up toward Maitland. And then somebody said, hey, have you heard about this place called Horizons West? It's not called Horizons West, but that's what everybody called it back in the day. He said, Horizon West, it's, and we started looking around and going, man, whole world's moving here. (laughs) Like, it's crazy. Like, this is, and we looked at where we had home groups. We had, man, we've got 8, 10, 12 home groups of First Orlando that are in, like, Metro West and Windermere and Ocoee and Winter Garden, and, and there was movement this way. And then in 2017, I got to sit on a bus with several First Orlando pastors as some of the people developing the Horizon West area would say that this, this area over here, that's going to be a Walmart and a Publix. And, and they're, they're going to build like a thousand homes right here. And, and these are going to be schools. And we're like, man, this is all orange groves. Also, anybody that lived here more than 15 years ago just literally walks around Horizon West going, it was all orange groves. This was all orange groves. Like, it's like all they say. They just say it on repeat. That's what it was. But we started getting a vision that God was going to do something new in Horizon West. And that what was going to come from this part of the world was less about produce and citrus and more about the gospel going to the nations. And I sat there and went, man, this is really, really cool. And then in 2018, I was given the incredible privilege of of leading the the new campus, Horizon West Church, that would be started and, and assembling a team. And in September of 2018, we had our first Sunday at Sunridge Middle School and it was 138 degrees. I'm, I'm only slightly exaggerating. It was blazing hot. The air conditioning went out. And we worshiped. And we began a new chapter as Horizon West Church. 
Over the last four weeks, we've been in a series called First Things First, and you might remember if you were here that we started with prayer because I believe that everything starts with prayer. Uh, among the first things of importance, prayer is the first of the first things. It's where it all begins. Four years ago, this past Tuesday, I had been uh, uh, given the opportunity, kind of announced at First Orlando as the campus pastor of Horizon West Church, and one of the very first things I did was to call some of the prayer team at First Orlando, and I said, hey, I've not even been out there, really. I've never walked the ground. Would you go with me? I, I want to walk the ground in Horizon West. I want to begin praying over this place and asking God to do a work. And so this is what it looked like four years ago, this past Tuesday, February 8th of 2018. Um, I said three of the four women's names, and I couldn't remember the other, so I'm not going to tell you their names here, or I'll fall into the same thing. But, but we walked for about an hour. And if you know any of these women, you know that was a powerhouse of prayer. And we said, God, this is just trees right now. By the way, this is all developed now, that area. It's just trees. But from the foundation of the earth, you created this with a purpose in mind. And God, would you allow us to step in to be a church that has a place to minister to this community for the years to come. After that prayer meeting and after we launched the campus, we, we began meeting with developers in this community and, and looking for land, looking for property. We had conversations with real estate brokers and agents and, and through it all we were helped immensely by one of our leaders at this campus, Chris Denbeston, who was our property team leader. And, and he and I would meet, and we'd, we'd look over at, you know, over toward Windermere High School, like, no, nah, that's a little too far that way. And man, the rural settlement in Horizon West, but, but man, that's not on its way to anywhere else. And we really want to be in the heart. We want to be in the center of this and, and be a place where anybody can find us and we can reach this community. And today, I'm thrilled to announce to you that we have found property to claim as our own. Y'all can applaud that because it's a... In a minute, I'm going to show you a map of where this is. It is not yet under contract, but it is moving quickly that direction. We've got the right people at the tables, the right conversations are happening, and we anticipate in the not-too-distant future beginning a, a strategic effort to get the resources together that it's going to take to get a home, a permanent home in Horizon West. I'm going to show you where this property is. This is uh, the 429 is the road right there in the middle, and just to the left of that, that kind of dry, strange triangle patch, um, that is about a 30 to 40 acre patch, and right in the middle of it, there's 12 acres that is now designated as church property that we believe God is giving us for Horizon West Church. People were asking after the first service, so probably the easiest way to tell you is if you come from the north, how many of you guys come uh, southbound to get here? I think more than you do, but you might not understand the uh, direct, but, but yeah, so if you're coming southbound, if you were on the 429, the Schofield Road exit, that's exactly where it is. You, you would go right off that. In fact, there's a Junior Davis construction sign on that property, and that's when you know that's the property that we're praying for and praying about. And what I want to encourage you is before we get into all the other details of this, we know where it is, we know it's 12 acres, the first thing we want to do is we want to pray. Whatever we would seek to accomplish in this community, whatever programming or, or, or product on Sunday morning or events or whatever it might be, nothing spiritually happens in the world without the hand of God behind it. So before we get ahead of ourselves, we're going to say, God, if you're in this, send us. 
And we'll say like Moses, God, if you're not going, don't send us. But we believe God is in it, and we believe he's giving us the land. And so we're going to begin first to pray. Secondly, if you've not yet texted the words, I'm in, several of you did this a few months back, but if you haven't texted, I'm in, I want to encourage you to do that. The number is 407 Seven, seven. And what we're going to do is we're going to give you some pretty regular, not necessarily weekly, but regular updates as to how things are progressing with the property and as well as other things that are going on in the church that you can be a part of. It is an exciting season and we don't want you to miss out on all of that. So pray, text I'm in, and third, get ready because we are going to take the land together by the grace of God. For the people of Israel standing before the promised land, taking the land and and having a permanent home to call their own would mean some pretty incredible things. The land of Israel would be the place where they would build a temple and for generations they would worship the one true God, Yahweh. It would be the place where a widowed immigrant named Ruth would find hope and a future. The place where that young boy David would slay the giant and become king. A place where a man named Elijah would pray down fire from heaven and it would be the land, it would be the place where Jesus, the Savior of the world, would go to the cross to redeem humanity. And so I'm asking myself, God, what will it mean for us to have a place? What will it mean for us to step into the land that you've given us? We believe it's going to mean a place where individuals who have struggled with addictions and compulsive behaviors will find hope and healing. A place where marriages can find strength to keep going and to find encouragement. A place where our children learn of Jesus and take their first steps of faith and baptism. A place where the community can see a visible expression of the kingdom of God touching earth. And we believe God is getting us ready for such a place just up the road from here. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be in a a series that's called We Are, and it's kind of the foundational things we believe God's called us to uh, to be and to do in our community. And I'm going to ask you to come, I'm going to ask you to participate, and along the way be praying. Pray that we'd have wisdom. Pray that we'd have strength and courage like God called from Joshua. And what we believe is not only for the next few years, but for the next many generations, Horizon West Church will be in this community saying, there is still hope. There is good news. The Son of God, Jesus, has come to redeem the world, to be that light, to be that city on a hill. And that one day we're going to have our grandchildren and great-grandchildren go into Horizon West Church saying, you'll never believe this, but it was my parents, it was my grandparents, they were the ones who were part of that effort, who got this church here in this community. And look at what it is today. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we are humbled and grateful because you are so much bigger and so much greater and you have gone so far ahead of us. God, forgive us, forgive me for at times losing sight, losing faith, not not being sure that it's all going somewhere good. God, we know that your plans for the church and that your plans for this community will prevail. And God, we don't know the exact, the ins and outs, but we've got a picture of this property, this 12 acres on Schofield Road, and we're saying, Lord, if you would give it to us, we we will be stewards of that trust. We will stay true to the gospel. We will stay true to the word of God. We will worship the name of Jesus. We will be that light in that city on a hill. God, would you go before us? Would you lead us? And we pray these things in Jesus' name.
Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Horizon West Church Podcast. If you were inspired or encouraged by something you heard today, share it with a friend. For more information like our service times, location, and other info, be sure to visit us online at horizonwestchurch.com. Have a great week.